Los Angeles. What's up, Ramley? Welcome into the Rams Skinny here on the LA Football <coughs> Network. Rough game we got to talk about. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it. Uh, we're we're going to go more big picture here as the Rams fall 20-3 to to the Green Bay Packers up in a, a rainy Lambeau field. But uh, before we get into it, as always, my good friend here, managing editor, beat writer for the Rams, Ryan Skinny T. Anderson. What's up, brother? Happy Monday. How we doing? Uh, doing okay, man. Uh, you know, tough, tough loss. Probably the maybe one of the worst losses of, of the McVay era. Um, just, you know, one of those winnable games that slips through the fingers. But, uh, you know, I, you know, we were just talking about it. I got out, uh, had a nice uh, cleansing uh, run in uh, Deb's Park near my house here in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, shaking out uh, the sadness and the sillies. And, uh, you know, now we're back to our professional selves, you know, talking football. How are, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, hopefully McVeigh and, and company got a nice run in a park this morning as well to get the, the sadness and sillies out and refresh and go into the bye week with some clear thoughts of how to get things going. But um, no, I'm good. Everything's good. Busy weekend. Um, always is, you know, our, our LA teams, Chargers play tonight. So we got a uh, Chargers coverage coming for you. Not that the Rams fans probably care, but if anyone's in here, that's a Chargers fan randomly watching our show. Um, stuff with that USC yesterday fired Alex Grinch. So that was a huge story we were on and I'll be at a USC practice later today for Lincoln Riley's interview, uh, press conference, which I'm sure will be either very interesting or very dull and scripted and not much out of it. So we'll see what that looks like, but, um, yeah, all good here. One, one minor funny story for you, um, about fatherhood or parenthood, I should say. So, uh, just randomly this, so I don't know why you'll learn with little kids that things they pick up things out of nowhere and you have no idea why or what. So Mia had had like a, um, like a, I don't want to call it a scratch, but I guess like a scab, like a minor, like cut on her leg. And she's in that phase, like any boo-boo she has, she wants a bandaid. Like, doesn't matter if it's a bruise, if it's a scrape, whatever she wants a bandaid. And, uh, and so finally we're like, all right. So yesterday we gave, put a bandaid on her knee and then all of a sudden, Cause she has a bandit now. Her leg is like, like decapitated. Like she can't walk anymore. <laughs> so she's literally like been for the last 24 hours, like scooting around our house on her butt and like not walking. Cause she's like, no, I have a boo-boo. I'm like, you were literally walking fine yesterday before, but it's kids. They're funny. So anyway, I just felt like adorable. that maybe uh, could brighten someone's day hearing that after this Rams loss. That's absolutely adorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you happen to come over uh, or if we see each other soon, maybe we'll see her scooting around on her, on her booty all over the place. But um, before we get into Rams talk, I'll talk about our friends at underdog fantasy, head to underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog fantasy app in the app store, or Google play, use our promo code Rams, L A F B all one word Rams, L A F B. It's going to get you a match deposit bonus up to $500. So you put a hundred bucks in, you get a hundred free dollars to play with all the way up to $500. Tons of fun. Uh, some of our guys on the network, I don't know if you saw in the, in the, the Slack chat had had some success this weekend, um, with oh. some, some big payouts. So how it works, you can play, uh, fantasy or the pick is, I think what the main hot commodity is. You pick two to five players within any sport and you're basically just choosing against the, um, you know, the spreads, I guess that underdog creates. So if, for tonight, for instance, Justin Herbert, if he has over or under 280 yards passing, you'd pick over or under. And if it hits, it hits. So um, ton of fun. Underdog Fantasy. Rams LAFB is the promo code. Tell them the guys at the Rams Skinny 
sent you there. And good luck. 20 to 3, skinny T. The offense never showed up. You know, we talked about it a lot, obviously, in our preview show. And I think there was some confidence, not necessarily because Brett Rippon is, you know, a, a great backup quarterback, but just because this is not a very good Packers team. So we thought, okay, there, there's some good enough stuff for this Rams to team to do. So let me ask you this off the top before we kind of dive a little deeper and then we'll go big picture. Was this a game in your summation where we truly saw a massive talent gap? We kind of talked about this in the Eagles game, but you figure, you know, no Matthew Stafford, no Kyron Williams. There's some injuries elsewhere. Was it a huge talent gap or is this just a team that is not currently well coached is just going through the motions? Like what was your overall summation of this really poor game against not a very good Packers team. I, you know, heading into it, we, we, uh, our scores were pretty close, low scoring game. Um, and not a huge gap between the two teams, um, score wise. And, you know, you think about, uh, if you take Stafford off there, you take Havenstein out, you take the, your, uh, starting running back and then your backup running back out. Mm-hmm. Um, and those kinds of injuries, um, you know, that shows you the massive drop off of talent um, from the starters to the second string and the third stringers uh, on this team. <clears throat> so not on, only do the Rams go into games against, say, the Eagles with a talent um, gap when they have when they f- face some of the attrition from uh, injuries that you're just gonna you you're gonna have this kind of injuries these kinds of injuries over the length of a season um, that just exposes it to an even even greater degree um, and we'll get into the big picture later on but that just shows you um, you know that they have to address some of these things in the off season as well, you know, they're going to have to get a linebacker behind Ernest Jones uh, just in case that uh, when, and if he gets bumped and bruised, um, you know, over the next couple of seasons. So they, they've, they've got a lot of work to do. Um, uh, and, you know, the, there was some big variance plays, some, some turnovers that happened that had the Rams been able to capitalize on those things uh, they would have been in this game Um much more so. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, you go through the league, 32 teams. How many of them have a, a starting quarterback that can go out them and go out there and win them a game? You know, it's uh, there's just not a lot of them out there. The, 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 there's probably, I don't know, 20 good quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> and then there's, you know, maybe even less now with all the injuries stacking up. Yeah, and there's a handful of serviceable guys. Once you get past that starting starting realm, you look at you know the New York Jets who are playing tonight. Uh, they lose Aaron jo- uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I spent so much time thinking about Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron yeah, Rodgers, former teammate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers goes out. Zach Wilson comes in. Well, he's a first, you know, first round, second pick overall quarterback from just a few years ago. He's a, he's not maybe not the most talented guy out there, but he's, he's not ripping. That's for sure. So um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there's just not that many good 
backup quarterbacks. There's not enough starting quarterbacks to go around in this league. And to expect that a, a backup is going to come in and, and, and just uh, win this game, you know, th- there could have been some favors done. The weather didn't do them any favors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the running game didn't do him any favors. And he's, he's, you know, I think, you know, he missed, he missed some receivers. He missed some throws. Um, and that's just, that's just what's going to happen when Brett Rippin is your quarterback. Yeah. It's, you know, if I'm being, I guess I'll put my negative hat and, and critical hat on first, you know, it, it just goes into what we've been saying. And a lot of people have been saying is, you know, this regime with McVeigh and Les Need for whatever reason has not put any emphasis on having a serviceable backup quarterback. And I think that reared its ugly head yet again. And Rippon, you know, this is his fourth season. He was with the Broncos before, so he's not necessarily a a nobody. But and I'm not even saying at the trade deadline, but going into this season, knowing Stafford was coming off of a big injury where he missed the entire rest of the season, knowing his age, knowing his history and track record. Um, and I get it. This is a remodel year. So I don't think that was obviously not top priority, but there's there you can still get a, a serviceable backup for you know pretty cheap dollars that give you a better chance to win than what we saw on Sunday. And you know, unfortunately, that just hasn't been an and it hasn't been an emphasis ever, even in their Super Bowl years. I mean, they've always had, you know, obviously the John Walford as backups for many years. They had, you know, Bryce Perkins as a third stringer, but it, it's just the good teams you see and um usually have someone that can come in and at least you know, run the offense capably. I mean, we look at the Indianapolis Colts, you know, they, they use their first overall pair, their fourth overall pick, but first round pick and then Richardson, he goes down Gardner Minshew's won them some football games or at least, or at least kept them very competitive. Uh, and I think that was a really good pickup by him. You look at, you know, obviously we've talked about before the Eagles when they lost Carson Wentz that year and they have Nick Foles, it leads them to a Super Bowl. and, you know, it's tough to do, but I think there has to be more of an emphasis and, and it goes back to drafting, right? Like they, I think they drafted Stetson Bennett with that thought in mind. And obviously he's had his own off the field issues that have kept him from that role. But you look at the guy, the quarterbacks they passed on um, or had the opportunity instead of it, regardless of Stetson Bennett's off the field stuff. I don't think there was many people thinking he was the correct choice just in terms of quarterback intangibles based on what he did in college, based on who was available. So it's, it's a situation they kind of put themselves in. I still think they could have done a little better in this one. I mean, three points uh, is, you know, coming from a, an offensive mind in Sean McVay, and then you still have Cooper Cup out there. You still have Puka Nakua, who's been great, obviously. Um, you know, it just, it's it kind of, they you know, they, they made their bed, and now they got to sleep in it, and unfortunately it's a three-and-six football team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's to me, it's a, you know, I think it's a chicken or the egg situation. I, um, you know, I tend to, to blame the, the, the Jimmy's and the Joe's rather than the X's and the O's in this particular situation. Um, just because you got to go out there and you got to execute and you got to make the plays and Sean McVay and his press conference is always going to fall on his own, on his own sword and, um, take on the responsibility for the loss, which is what he, he should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think of these, uh, calls for the, for Sean McVay's head, uh, coming out from the likes of, you know, let's say Samuel L. Jackson, he didn't really call, him, <laughs> call for his head. Uh, exactly. Time for to have a conversation, right? Have that a was conversation. A tweet. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we've, you and I, I think we're on the same page as, you know, Sean McVay is one of the better head coaches in the league, you know, probably if we're ranking him top five, somewhere in that, in that realm. Um, but what do you, what do you think of those calls? Is, is it, you know, what, what is the answer uh, at, at the top of the food chain there? Well, the answer is no, uh, undoubtedly no. Um, McVay is still one of the best coaches and, you know, as frustrating as it can be for fans seeing, you know, some play design and play call and getting out of his own way. Um, and he, you know, he's like any coach makes mistakes and isn't perfect. And we've talked about a lot, like we're definitely critical, but we, you know, give him his flowers too. But I mean, the answer is no, he's, he would be hired. I think teens would fire their coach to hire McVay if he was on the streets, um, in the, in instantly, if he was still wanting to be in coaching. So, um, I, I think what everyone needs to remember here, and then I will get into some kind of the critical talk, but what everyone needs to remember here is this, this year, the expectation was not high for this team. But then based on how they were able to perform early on in the season, then the expectation grew into, wow, we can really do something. You know, I don't think most people, I was definitely one of the higher ones. You were probably, I wouldn't say lower, lower, but lower than me. I think most people look at the schedule and three and six was probably, yeah, that seems like what this football team is going to be based on everything that happened in the offseason. Uh, going into the bye, three and six, maybe four and five, one and eight wasn't inconceivable based on the the talent and based on the schedule so it's not like they were they're a super bowl contender that is three and six because of horrible coaching this is a talent deficient roster that is in a remodel year they went into a you know tough place that they haven't won at in lambo with a backup quarterback backup running back backup right tackle and uh no best defensive player outside of aaron donald in ernest jones and so you know, they had injuries. The offense couldn't do anything. I thought the defense still battled. You know, Green Bay was given some short fields on turnovers and they still battled and only gave up 20 points. It wasn't like Green Bay, like offense dominated. So McVay's got these guys playing. You know, it, it seems like there's still a will to improve and develop talent, which I think is important. Has he made mistakes? Has there been poor play calling? Has there been deficiencies? In him and his coaching staff? Yeah, of course, absolutely. But based on what this roster is, I, I don't think anyone is calling for one of the best coaches we've seen in the modern era to get fired because of that. I mean, what coach out there is winning five games with this roster right now? Skinny T. I mean, I, I name a coach that comes in here with Brett Rippon, Royce Freeman, and all these other backups and is going to win games for you. I mean, I don't. Yeah, let's be critical of Coach McVeigh, and and yeah, but people calling for firing, you're, you're just reactionary and silly, to be honest. Yeah, and, and some so much of, of the fan perspective, and I don't want to obviously I don't want to you know crap on fans. I'm a fan of sports myself, and I have yes. these thoughts all the time. Uh, but we as fans, we always have to to uh, remember not to be uh, so hyperbolic and you know out of control. Uh, in these down times and um, you know, you got to think about, you know, you can't think in, in terms of hypotheticals. You got to think in, in, in reality. And it's like, like you were saying, who better out there who's coming in and, 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 and making this happen. And I would, I would go so far as to say with that, with the quarterback is, you know, Matthew Stafford is a really, really, really good quarterback. He's fantastic out there. Mm -hmm. He was having a fantastic season and um, you know, any backup coming in, I'll just say it again, any backup coming in isn't going to perform as well as a top five 
uh, you know, or so, let's say top top five, top ten type of of, of quarterback. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely some points left on the board, and there's some execution things. Those those turnover, you know, coming off those turnovers with great field position, you gotta put some, gotta put some points on the board there. Yep. Um, but you know, I you know you gotta con. I, I I was thinking about it this morning. You gotta kind of contrast this team. Um, to a, a Raiders team who just fired their coach, uh, moved on from uh, all sorts of people at the top there. And, you know, you look at just at what a disarray and just how unhappy those guys were under um, the, the McDaniels way, the, the Belichick way on the West Coast. Yeah, uh, I guess Las Vegas. Um, but they were just so, so unhappy there. They're smoking cigars in the locker room and playing basketball and, and and putting up 27 points and, and, yeah. and taking themselves to a victory after their head coach was fired. And you look at, you know, just how much better coached uh, this Rams team has been, you know, yeah. probably, you know, on the defensive side, it's very, it's very easy to compare because you got Max Crosby, Crosby and a bunch of other guys on their team. And the way that the Rams have been seen as Aaron Donald and a bunch of other guys on their team. And a bunch of those other guys on the Rams team have really stepped up and, and performed really well. You think about Kobe Durant, you think about Jordan Fuller, you know, uh, forcing a, another fumble today, just another heads up play from Akella Witherspoon. Uh, Byron Young is, is, looks like he's a, you know, a, a contributor, uh, edge rusher, Kobe uh, Turner um, up there on, on the defensive line, have, having himself another really good day. And uh, you can't say that about a Raiders team. So, uh, if, if you're a fan out there of the Rams, just look over there to, to, you know, you probably got a Raiders fan in your life. Uh, just go, you know, say what's up yeah. to those guys and talk about how much better it is to be a, a Rams fan today than it is to be, well, a Rams fan. It is in general than it is a, a Raiders fan. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. a, it's not a an organization in disarray. It's a team that hasn't been playing well. It's a team that's quite frankly, probably just not a very good football team in 2023, but it's a, it's a well-oiled, well-run machine that is going to get back on track. And I think if everyone remembers what the expectation was and and can kind of, you know, put the pitchforks down for a second and say, okay, let's just see. And this is where we can kind of turn the conversation now, skinny T is let's just see what improvements can be made over the final. What do we got left? Nine games, I think. Yeah. Nine games left. Um, or eight games left. Thank you. Eight games left and see kind of what happens and how we build towards this next season. And before I ask my question, uh, you know, and, and going into this kind of bye week and, and, you know, what they're able to do. One thing I, one positive, I want to say that we've seen through nine games is that I think we can say it's early, but I think we can say that this current draft class is looking like one of the better ones of the Les Snead McVay area, which was a must, right? Going into this year, it was like, okay, if they're going to kind of tear it down, remodel, and plan for the future, they got to hit on this draft class. And, you know, you got to give it more than just eight games, nine games. It's got to be a couple seasons to where you truly see. But obviously, I think Steve Avila looks like a home run. I think Kobe Turner looks like, as you mentioned, very good. Byron Young, who was very raw, coming in at a starter and, you know, still has a lot of way to go, but is looking like a very comparable player. Um, and we're seeing other guys contribute. Obviously, Puka Nakua has been phenomenal. So I think overall, that's the one positive of this fan base is that this draft class, this 2023 draft class has looked really good so far. So your thoughts on that before moving into big picture. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. They absolutely needed this year, especially to hit, just because if you look back at some of their draft classes and kind of the whiffs, 
um, that they've had. You know, I'm just looking at it now. You know, Logan Bruss, we'll see if he turns into anything. Um, you know, Darren Kendrick, we'll see if he makes it onto the team. Um, you know, uh, Bobby Brown hurt. Robert Rochelle, um, you know, is he still on the roster? I don't know. Jacob Harris, Ernest Brown, Jake gone, Funk. Gone. You know, yeah. Gong, yeah. Cam Akers, Van Jefferson, you know, Terrell Lewis, you know, the 2020 class, you know, which would be the outgoing, uh, you know, let's say, for, you know, class of, you know, graduating class or, or I don't know how you'd want yeah. to put that, but, you know, they rarely resign these guys. But, you know, you go you go down that list and a lot of a lot of misses, not a lot of hits, you know, some hits out there. But, uh, um, you know this this year was was critical and and looking ahead you know at at the draft that we're coming into they have you know high draft picks but they also have 10 picks total what they're yeah. looking at right now and they'll probably i'm sure knowing the rams they'll end up getting some more um whether it's draft day trades moving back or whether it's um you know something else after the season or i don't know if they're going to get many comp picks this year they might get uh what well, I imagine they're going to be pretty um, active in picking up guys in free agency, so that'll eliminate, yeah. that'll kind of eliminate some of those out. Those, yeah, but exactly. yeah, I mean, I, I think you know these two draft classes are are, are incredibly important. Um, so let me let me ask you this, and this is how we can turn turn this now. So looking over these eight games, what do you think is more important? So right now, the Rams sit with the sixth overall pick, I believe. I think it's six. It's top top yeah. eight for sure. Yep. Um, I think it's probably wise for this team, depending on how the board falls, depending on how they fit. Matthew Stafford, if if wanting to come back, which I believe he will, I think should be the starter next year. He's he's proven when healthy, he's still a very good quarterback, and and so you don't they're, they're a diamond desert. You don't just like hit on a draft pick. But if you have a pick that high, I think it'd be wise to use it on a quarterback, and then he's able to sit for a year, um, and you know ease into playing. Do you think it's at this point, and I don't want to even want to use the word tank. I know you wrote an article that you can, I want you to talk about your article because it was phenomenal, but um, we don't need to use the word tank because I don't think the Rams have that in their DNA to tank. But from a fan perspective or an analyst perspective, do you think it's more wise at this point for the Rams to, how do I phrase this? play more of the younger guys that might behoove them to lose more <laughs> to keep that higher draft pick? Or do you really want to see improvement over these eight games and win as many games as possible? Even if that means, you know, finishing the season seven and nine or seven and 10 and being in the, in the teen, the teen range. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, given what the Rams need uh, from the draft, uh, they don't need to, lose a bunch of games to get into a better position. Now, looking ahead at the schedule, there's kind of um, some games that are going to be very difficult to escape with a win. You know, if, yep. if uh, there's at this point, there's no reason to rush Matthew Stafford back. So if he's not ready to go, if he's not completely healthy, if that hand isn't completely healed uh, heading into uh, Seattle, um, you know, I think we see another Brett Rippon game. That's a loss. You know, you look at the great uh, Browns defense. That's tough. The, the the Ravens are playing like a Super Bowl. Maybe the best defender. team in football right now. Yeah. 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 You know, it, uh, Lamar Jackson MVP season is getting a lot of talk. San Francisco is always going to play them uh, a tough game. Um, you know, so anyway, um, I think it 
I think the most important thing, the the, the paramount thing for this team to do is uh, remain a competitive team in their own heads. Yep. They, um, Stafford is a competitive guy. He wants to go out there and win. Aaron Donald, obviously a competitor. Uh, Cooper Cup wants to be out there. And then it's then to me, and I wrote this in the article, is it's very important for young guys. They're looking to the the this team's leadership to to you know. NFL careers are incredibly short, less than yeah. three years, I think, less than four years for sure. And, yeah. you know, some of these guys only have a couple of a couple of games to, you know, live out their dreams. And, and they're, they're looking to their coach, you know, hey, coach, put me in the right spot. Teach me everything you got. Um, you know, uh, they 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 don't want to they don't want to be a part of losing teams. They want to be winning teams. They you know, if if if. Um, you know, I was just talking about it with, with the Raiders. It's that's, you know, you, they were, they were so excited to get a, to get rid of a coach. Cause now they got somebody that's, that's putting them in the right positions, putting them in the position to win games, um, treating, treating them like human beings and, and good football players and all the things that just the huge, the human level of this game. Um, you know, these are, these are 22, 23 year old guys, a lot of this roster, and they're still, they're still kind of like coming into their own as, as human beings and as men. And, and they're learning from Raheem Morris and they're learning from uh, Coach McVay and everybody on this coaching staff. And that's just such an important part of a player's development that they learn that winning culture, that kind of, um, you know, never say die kind of culture uh, that you look over at the Raiders and they just didn't have that for the first, you know, weeks. They're not, they're you know, we saw we see that with like uh, Demar Hamlin, for instance. These guys are putting their lives on the line for these coaches. Mm-hmm. They're putting their bodies out there. They're putting their futures out there for these for these coaches. And and um, you know, McVeigh's the kind of coach that inspires you know guys to run through burning rooms for them, run through brick walls for this guy. And you know, once once you lose that kind of uh, commitment and that engagement with a guy, you know. Those young yeah. players, you know, it's not like they can just quit and go find another job. You know, they they got to perform well. They got to look good if they're looking for another contract or if they're going to be signed by this team again. It's uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a rough league, especially for uh, a lot of the guys that are the caliber of player that are making up the the Rams roster. Yeah, exactly. It's so well said, and uh, that's kind of what I was going to say too. Is there's there's nothing that will sever a locker room more than knowing that your team is tanking for a a draft pick, because I can tell you this much. Every single player on this roster right now can give two F's about next year's draft, because guess what? Whoever's drafted next year is coming for their job. And so they care about their job right now, this team right now, and what they can do to win every game possible. And, you know, mathematically, they're not out of the playoffs. So if they happen to go on a run, I think it's very unlikely, but you never know if that could happen. But I get the fan sentiment, and I even get sometimes from the higher-up sentiment. Like, we've seen it, right, in uh, in Houston last year when it was Lovey Smith said, nope, I'm not losing this game, and goes for two. And there was this big talk of, wow, like he cost his team a higher draft pick. But the guys in that day in and day out, this coaching staff, this team, these players on this team, they're absolutely not playing. They're not thinking. 
they do not care about the 2024 draft because they are that's those are guys coming for their job. And if you know from the higher up that that's what the the goal of the organization is, there's nothing that can destroy your locker room more, I think, because you know that your team doesn't believe in you, your coach doesn't believe in you, your organization doesn't believe in you anymore, and you want to be replaced. And obviously that's not every single player, you know, I don't think Aaron Donald has that worry, but a lot do. A lot of have that fear. There's nothing more De, uh, deflating or debilitating de- is what I'm looking for than no job security, right? In any job. Like if I know in whatever job I'm doing, if I have zero job security, which, you know, the NFL is is probably one of the biggest job security list businesses out there because it's all performance-based. However, if it's been said to me straight up, like we don't value you in this job because we're planning for next season's draft, there's nothing that's going to make my hinder my performance more because like, why am I putting my body in the line when I may not even be here next year based on what you're telling me right now? Like that can happen no matter what you could not be here next year, but if you're all the writings on the wall, so this whole tanking for, for a quarterback thing, a, it's not going to happen. B it shouldn't happen. Um, and so this team needs to go out. And I think that's what you need to see is improvement week over week development of these young players, staying healthy, do we know, like the big question, Skinny T, is do we know Matthew Stafford's going to be the quarterback next year? Um, is he playing still at a high level? Does he remain healthy? Is he fully in it? Which I think we can answer all those questions over these next eight weeks. Those are the keys for this team moving forward. And if you can win seven, eight games and give yourself a shot, great. If it ends up being a, a six-win team and you finish up with a 13, 14, 15th overall pick, guess what? I mean, this is a pretty deep quarterback class. Michael Penix Jr. might be there in those teen rounds. Um, there's a lot of good QBs that I think will be available for this team that can maybe sit a year behind Stafford. So the thought of firing, firing Sean McVay, the thought of tanking for a quarterback, none of those are going to happen and none of those should be thoughts. Let's keep this moving forward and see how this team can improve over these final eight games. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You said it very succinctly and um, eloquently. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, even if you go out in there, if you go out there and you compete and, you, and you're uh, trying to win every game, um, that that pays dividends with those young guys, and they'll they're, they're not going to fall off, um, you know, as if they would if you just benched, you know, all you, all all of your veterans. You kept uh, Brett Rippon in there, um, so um, yeah, I think you know you keep those kind of good feelings rolling uh, when you can. Um, we saw how excited the fan base got. And I think we saw ex- how excited uh, the, these players played when they were competitive in games that maybe they ne- won't necessarily won't weren't in necess- you know uh, you know, that winning that first game against Seattle just set a really mm-hmm. nice tone. And, you know, once Stafford is back, their chances of winning goes up exponentially just because he's that much better of a quarterback. And yep. I, I, I went on a, a Green Bay Packers podcast earlier this week before the right before the game uh, on Sunday. Actually, I was on with them and I'd actually changed my uh, score prediction in favor of the Green Bay Packers once Ernest Jones went out mm-hmm. just because. He's a huge piece of that defense. And yeah. you know, Troy Reader had himself a decent game. He didn't uh, just fall flat on his face, but he's, you know, he's just it's not. not Jones. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's coming back and, you know, he's going to make that defense really good. And I actually thought the defense played 
you know, really well. They just kind of kind of got uh, tired and deflated at a, towards the end of the game when the offense, you know, wasn't able to stay on the field, give them some rest, and and the and the Packers just kept putting up points and got themselves behind the eight ball on that one. But uh, you know, the, they're going to be in uh, some of these games. I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the Seattle game, if if Stafford is in, is a winnable game. I'm gonna say that mm-hmm. the last game of the year against the 49ers is a winnable game, um, just because they're divisional. Uh, matches and you know you got the commanders you got the giants um, those are winnable games and you know they can come out um, you know with you know six seven wins in this season I think eight mm-hmm. or nine is is a real stretch um, but the Browns the Browns don't uh, don't have really offense to speak of at this point yeah. uh, who knows what's going to happen with their quarterback situation um, so. I'm still I'm still high on this team and and with Stafford in there and Ernest Jones coming back and Rob Havenstein, yeah. uh, you know the less Joe Note Boom plays at this point I think is, <laughs> a, is, is a, I've been a defender of his I I'm finally out on Joe Note Boom he's going to cost his team twenty million dollars yep. cap hit next year I'm almost uh-huh. surprised if he's on this team um, but uh, you know he's you know he's proven that he's not worth the contract that he signed. Tony so, Pastor somewhere is is like less. You got to stop doing this to me, man. Like, what are <laughs> we're giving these numbers? Like, what are we doing here? This is not monopoly money. Come on, throw yeah. me a bone. Yeah, throw me a bone. So, uh, you know, I'm still optimistic with Stafford at, at the quarterback. Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup. You know, like this is where we just came through a dark day. But guys, this is a this is a good team. They they're still that team that uh, pushed a Bengals team to the brink. That took uh, the, the Colts team to overtime and, and scored the winning touchdown. Um, they were uh, right there with the San Francisco 49ers uh, f- uh, for much of that game. Um, so, you know, it's, it, this isn't as doom and gloom as it seems. They just have a bad uh, backup quarterback. They're, they're heading into the, the bye week limping. Absolutely. They do not yep. look uh, fantastic heading into it. You know, this losing streak does not look look great, but they're a better team than this losing streak actually shows. You know, they would have been a playoff team had they picked up one or two of those one-score games uh, that they played in. And I wrote that about that in my article as well. And it's like they were in some of those games, and they, they needed to do it. And that's why you and I were so critical of those games. It's like this, yeah. is, a, this is a winnable game. This is a game they, they should have uh, taken. And, uh, you know, now, now we're seeing why. Now, now we're seeing exactly why they need to win those games because they're now really on the outside looking into the playoff picture. It would have been yeah. fun if they would have gotten to the playoffs. Um, but uh, even if they had gotten to the playoffs, you know, hey, it's any given Sunday at that point. So, Exactly. Exactly. That was my thought in the offseason. So, yeah, last thing I'll say, and then we can wrap this up, is, you know, the one big nuance, I think, that we'll see what's what, – McVeigh does during this um bye week is it it seems like and I think Jordan Rodriguez I haven't read the whole thing so I don't want to speak on it uh, specifically but she wrote a piece kind of on adjustments and whatnot so I, I don't want to get into that just because I haven't read it yet but but just from my watching it definitely seems like McVeigh and we talked about it a bunch earlier in the year about the second half performances by this Rams offense and it, it seems like defenses have done a much better job at adjusting and schematically really giving this offense fits. Whereas McVay and the offense hasn't been able to really adjust and, and find those 
those um, inefficiencies in the defense like they have in years past. It's just for whatever reason, whether it's personnel, whether it's uh, McVay just not quite finding what he needs to do, whatever it may be, that's the thing that I think is very correctable that can be fixed, whether it's, again, from a personnel perspective, from an execution perspective, or just from a play call perspective. Um, that's where this team is is really lacking on offense is just those adjustments and intangibles that it has made Sean McVay so great as an offensive mind and as a play caller. And we just haven't seen that. The, the offense has just looked so vanilla. And last week, is it's, it's hard to really be critical when you have Brett Rippon as your quarterback. You kind of have to throw a lot out. Um, but even in some of those games with Stafford, it just hasn't been the evolution of the offense we've seen in past years. So I think that's really what I want to see this bye week. If if Stafford can't go, Ribbon's been here long enough where you should be able to open the playbook up a little bit. He can't make every throw like Stafford can, but you can at least be more creative in getting your guys involved. And so that's, I think, the one thing we really need to see from from Coach McVay to get back to that that play calling thing. Because as as good as he's been, you know, he struggled this year with play calling, but I think the big kind of like frustration for fans is he, for whatever reason, he just can't beat his own tree. Like he cannot beat Kyle Shannon. He cannot beat Matt LaFleur. Like he struggles against his, his coaching tree or his brethren, if you will, because I think they know what he's, what he's bringing and he just doesn't change it up. Well, and you look at the, uh, LaFleur specifically um, in this week, he ran the ball a lot. And he did it pretty successfully. I think, you yeah. know, four and a half, five yards a clip, something like that. Um, and, you know, he was really out. To, he was really able to out physical this Rams team. And that is always uh, McVeigh's kind of um, uh, Achilles heel, so to speak, is that um, he he always wants to out finesse rather than out physical. And, um, you know, we saw in this game, you know, we always talk about the running game. We can't not do a Ram skinny without talking about the running game for a little bit, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we saw some successful uh, plays, even with the, the backups backup in. Um, and, you know, the, the bad thing was there was maybe, you know, for every two positive plays, there was one really negative play where somehow the Green Bay Packers were just in the backfield, just destroying them. Um, but when it comes down to just out physicaling another team, um, you know, the Rams just have always had a really hard time. And that this is the way the, since, since McVay was hired in 2017, every single year, it seems like the league just keeps kind of getting a little bit more and more physical, mm-hmm. getting a little bit more ground and pound, getting, you know, moving back towards, you know, big offensive linemen, big defensive linemen, um, you know, you know, the Fred Warner types are, are uh, yeah. Fred Warner types. You can't really say Fred Warner type, uh, you know, just kind of those, um, more like traditional look at the Eagles, look at the Eagles offense. They're like your old school smash mouth offense with some nice aerial pieces, obviously, but that's kind of what's yeah. trending now. Well, and you look at what they've invested in, in the draft just year over year, it's offensive linemen and defensive linemen, um, with the occasional wide receiver kind of sprinkled in there. And then they fill in the blanks with everything else, uh, you know, through free agency and whatnot and trades. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, that's, that's the evolution, that's the evolution that McVay knows he needs to make. Now he just needs to make those play calls to reflect, uh, what he, what he wants to do um, just by a, a physical side. And we, we've seen it, you know, we saw it in the first few, few weeks of, of the season, but he really regresses to a very conservative play calling. And we saw some explosive plays from Rippon even, you know, 
uh, Cooper Cup caught two passes for 50 yards, 48 yards, I think, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, you know, we saw some, you know, explosive plays. We just need – there just needs to be some some more of that element. He, yeah. he needs to get out of his own way and, and, some, and believe in his players and believe that they're going to um, rise to the occasion, be physical, play some smash-mouth football – and, you know, when he's called on them to do that, for the most part, they've been able to do it. And um, he just doesn't want to call it all the time. Um, uh, you know, I think, it, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a lack of belief in his players, um, but he just doesn't want necessarily always wants to put his players in that position to um, make the, the physical play. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just have some fun again, some fun play calling. We saw some stuff early in the year that was like, ah, oh, vintage McVeigh. And we haven't seen it in a long time. So there was a um, a play in the USC Washington game that Lincoln Riley called that I don't even know what you would call it a reverse flea flicker. Um, but he look it up or I'll send you a link because I, I don't know if you saw the game or not, but it was, you know, it was an incredible play. I don't know if it worked in the NFL against a good defense because Washington has a terrible defense also. But basically, Caleb Williams snapped it shotgun, immediately threw it out to Zachariah Branch as like a screen. And then Zach Branch kind of ran back invertedly like a bubble screen, but instead of cutting up, went back to Caleb, pitched it back to Caleb, and then Caleb hit Washington wide open down the sideline. It was like an absolutely beautiful play call that was so fun. Like, I want to see stuff like that from McVay. Like, let's do that with Tutu Atwell, or Tutu Atwell can be the seam guy going down the field, but let's do that with Puka Nakua or Cooper Cup. You're going to draw the whole defense in. The, the thing is, will they have enough time to pull it off? But, you know, just fun things like that. Get back to having some fun, make some good play calls and uh, kind of get out of your own way. So we'll see. We got the bye week. We'll still have a show for you on Thursdays, guys, as uh, it won't be a preview show. But we'll talk more uh, Rams football and what's kind of transpired throughout the week and, and maybe some more big picture stuff. Um, but this was, you know, fun still, even with the tough loss, 20 to three to the Packers. But we'll see how this, t- this team rebounds and gets back on track after the bye. So for Ryan Skinny T. Anderson, I am Ryan Dyer. Thank you all for hanging out with us. Make sure to like and subscribe to the Rams LAFB YouTube channel or follow us anywhere you get your podcast at Rams Skinny. LAFB Network are all of our um, our um, <coughs> social media handles and obviously LAFBnetwork.com is the website. Everyone have a great week. We'll be back on Thursday. Be well, be safe. Talk to you all soon. Uh-huh.